Welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened. Denise and I want to start introducing you all to different healing modalities and how they can really help the empath to awaken, connect, and heal with his or her inner self. In this week's episode, we're going to be talking about cranial sacral therapy. Denise, do you want to give people a definition of what cranial sacral therapy is? Sure. Uh, from what I understand and the way what I've read and people I've talked with, it works with natural and unique rhythms of our different body systems to pinpoint and correct source patterns or problems. It also, it's very gentle hands to release tensions deep in the body and relieve pain and dysfunction to improve whole body health and performance. Very much a soft touch that releases these restrictions in the soft tissues that surround the central nervous system. A lot of people use this for preventative health measure to bolster resistance disease. It's also all about the brain and the spinal cord connection in your central nervous system, which we all know is, is connected to everything that we experience. So it's really a pretty fascinating field. It really is. And from what I understand, it's all about the fascia in our body and how sometimes it will locate and surround itself around pain points. And what a cranial sacral therapist does is to realign the fascia in our body so that everything can flow and be balanced. The man who discovered this, or I don't even know if discovered is the right word, but it was pioneered and developed by an osteopathic physician, John Upledger, and he was at Michigan State and he was watching someone have a neck surgery done and he saw the pulsing of the fluid and he was very fascinated with that. And he was a professor of biomechanics. So based on the research of Dr. William Sutherland, who was really the father of cranial osteopathy, how the bones of the skull and, uh, are structured to allow movement. So I think that's interesting that this man was watching the, this process during a surgery and then did the research and connected it back to stuff from the early 1900s. And of course, traditional medicine wasn't really on board with this, but there is Upledger Institute, where, which is a fascinating wealth of information to check out online. Now, my experience with cranial sacral therapy started in 2006. Uh, my former husband was injured in the line of duty and had an anoxic brain injury, but because of the way the bullet hit him in the neck and then exited through his lung and out his middle back, so it created a lot of nerve issues. And it was weird, Denise, like the whole right side of his body couldn't sweat. And wow. yeah, it was, it was just weird the way it affected him. He had severe and chronic migraines as a result. He couldn't, he had no feeling in his right feet at all. And we went to all these neurologists, wonderful neurologists, and they said the same thing. This is what happens when a bullet goes through your body here's some painkillers, you know, like yeah. that was, that was basically what we got. So my Reiki master teacher, no, that's not true. My Reiki one and two teacher, Annie Miller was, she's just such a beautiful soul. I hope to get her on the show one day. And she said, Samantha, I've just been trained in biofeedback and I'd like to start your husband on that. She gave him biofeedback Denise for six months every week and refused to charge us and refused to take any gifts. Like she was just the nicest person. So that helped him tremendously. But he was still this whole nerve issue with his back pain and his headaches 
and the the weird imbalance in how he could sweat and feel pain on his left side but not his right side that was still there the biofeedback helped a lot with his cognitive thinking and processing but the physical stuff we still needed work on and so she said have you ever tried cranial sacral therapy and i said no i've never heard of that and i just didn't really think much about it and then someone came to see me for a reading in my office and she was very very nice and at the end of the reading we just kind of were just talking, you know, not psychic stuff, just talking. And she said um, that she's a cranial sacral therapist and this is all she does full time. And I, I mean, don't you love the way spirit works? It's like she just walked into my office and she's incredibly left brain. I don't even know why she came to see me. Like she hadn't lost a loved one. She wasn't going through anything major in her life and she had never gotten a reading before. You know, it was just like, why did you just walk in? So I told her about Mike's situation and she said, well, you know, send him in. Let me see what I can do. And he just raved about her. We sent him to see her twice a week for a year. And at the end of three months, he started sweating on the right side of his body. The headaches went down to once a month. At the end of the year, he was really not, I hate to say cured because, you know, who can quantify that? But the back pain was gone. Unless he went golfing, it would come back from time to time. But for the most part, the chronic back pain was gone. The headaches would only pop back up if he was in like a really crowded, stressful, noisy environment. And the weird left, right side of his body thing was fixed. And I thought, holy cow, maybe this works. So I went to see her because I just, I just wanted to see and I'll never forget, Denise, she has this beautiful room and she has this very soft, you know, those people who have voices that can kind of put you to sleep just by yeah. talking. She's got that lovely energy. And so she said, okay, lay down fully clothed on this table. I was like, okay. So I lay down and she said, you're just going to feel a light touch. And have you ever had cranial sacral work? I haven't. No. Okay. So you've had a massage though, right? No. You've never had a massage? No. Oh my gosh, you are missing out. All right, so, <laughs> so when you go for a massage, like you strip down to your underwear, you're under like heated sheets and, you know, they really massage your muscles and it's intense and sometimes it can hurt. So I'm laying there fully clothed with this blanket over me and she is barely touching my head, my neck, my shoulder. And I'm like, this isn't very relaxing. I don't need, what am I, my mind is racing. Like, what am I paying all this money for? I can put my fingers on my head and mm -hmm. just lay them there. Like, I just was so skeptical for five minutes. The next thing I know, she's gently waking me up. And I, I still don't know what happened. I fell asleep for an hour. Wow. Like knocked out, not aware of my surroundings. And so I've been back to her several times through the years. The same thing happens. I always lay down fully clothed. My mind is always racing as it normally does when I'm not meditating. And within five, she always starts at my head. And within five minutes, I am lights out. It's so crazy the way it works, but it's incredibly relaxing. And if you have any type of chronic pain or chronic stress, I don't know how it works. I just know that for my family, it has really, really worked. Kind of makes sense too, because if you think about 
you know, all the membranes and fluid that are around and protecting your brain and your spinal cord, if any of that touch is just, I'm going to, for lack of a technical term, sending good juju and energy into that, wouldn't it burst through your, like your, your whole nervous system? Yeah. She always explains it to me as that fascia that's in some layer of our body and it congregates around pain points and all she does is feel where the fascia has gathered and manipulates it back to where it needs to go. But it's all very gentle. It's so gentle. You don't even, at least I could barely feel what she was doing. If you just want a really good one hour sleep, go. I don't know. <laughs> but for me, um, it, it has really, really worked. And it's nice too, because it's not the type of, like if you're dealing with a chronic situation, she'll recommend that you go once or twice a week for one to three months. But then she will say, for maintenance, all you need is once a month or once every other month. And so what I like is it's, you know, it's not one of those things of, oh my gosh, because that's something else I do want to mention as we start talking about these different healing modalities. Throughout this year, Denise and I are going to bring on guests about aromatherapy and Reiki, EFT, acupuncture, hypnosis, all sorts of different healing modalities. And I think one of the things empaths forget is that we need to invest in ourselves. I have no qualms investing in my family and my friends financially. But when it comes to me, I think twice about it. I always do. It doesn't matter how much money I make. I always think, oh, that's a lot to spend on me. And I just, I just share that because I think a lot of other empaths have similar thoughts like that. And I just want to remind you, as I've said before, when you invest in you, the universe invests in you. And so show the universe, show yourself that you are worthy of this time, that you are worthy of this financial investment, and that you are most importantly worthy of healing and being healed. Very well said. Thank you. You're welcome. Upledger.com is a wealth of information. It's, it's fascinating. It's a little bit different. It's not one of the traditional things that you hear about. But if you're feeling drawn, there's a whole list on their website of different things that this, this work can help with. It crosses the board from physical to psychological and emotional issues. It's even recommended to help with Alzheimer's, which I think is really fascinating to think about. But especially if you're dealing with any chronic issue, like chronic fatigue or fibromyalgia, I do believe cranial sacral can help a lot. Like, for example, yeah. a 2010 study looking at people with fibromyalgia. They studied 92 people with the condition, and the results showed that those who had the cranial sacral therapy experienced marked improvement over the placebo group. So this has been studied, even though it is hard to scientifically look at cranial sacral, they have done different studies with cranial sacral and it has been shown to work. And I think that's what we're all looking for is ways to improve our, our wellness. Okay, before we bring our cranial sacral therapy guest on, I wanted just to remind you all that you are listening to The Enlightened Empaths. And if you'd like to find out more about us, my website is samanthafay.com and Denise's is thegratefulmessenger.com. Please connect with us on Facebook, Enlightened Empaths. 
And if you have a question or story you'd like to share for our next Community Connection show, you can email us, enlightenedempaths at gmail.com. And please check out our websites for our upcoming events. In August, Thursday evenings from 7 to 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, Denise and I will be offering our Mediumship 101 class. That's going to be Thursdays, August 8th, 15th, 22nd, and 29th. In September, we are offering that same class, but we're doing it during the daytime on Fridays. So that class is going to be September 6th, 13th, 20th, and 27th from noon to 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And then in October we're going to be offering our advanced mediumship class. And this is for anyone who has taken our Mediumship 101 class. So we are so excited to introduce our guest to you today. Sandra Karslick has been a licensed and registered registration therapist for over 33 years. She's received certifications as an Insui Reiki Master Teacher, a Karuna Reiki Master, and in Reconnective Healing, Hospice Volunteer, and Cranial Sacral Therapy. Her work's primary focus is what she calls cranial sacral and biofield therapy, a combination of cranial sacral therapy and energy work. Having personally experienced chronic fatigue immune dysfunction syndrome and RSD, reflex sympathetic dystrophy, Sandra is passionate about helping facilitate healing in those dealing with challenging medical conditions. She is the author of the book, In This Moment, The Little Book of Emotions, which provides inspiration and support for those experiencing life's many challenges. Thank you so much for joining us, Sandra. Thank you, Samantha. Thank you for the lovely introduction. Well, we're very excited to have you on the show today. And we thought if you could just introduce yourself a little bit personally of why you went into this field and how it can help people as empaths, that would be fantastic. Absolutely. Well, you know, my life was going pretty much at full speed, like many of us do, working full time, being a mom, and sort of burning the candle at both ends. And the universe has a way of slowing us down, even when we refuse to listen. And that's exactly what happened to me. I developed chronic fatigue immune dysfunction syndrome in 1992 of which at this point I can, I can say that I am cured through a lot of different methods, which we'll kind of talk about, and also developed later following a surgery, reflex sympathetic dystrophy, which is a dysfunction of the nervous system. I would say being the way I got into energy work in the first place was to um, help my body heal in a non-invasive way. I was giving basically a bag of drugs to take home and pretty much told that I'd be disabled for the rest of my life. I was bedridden for several months, and I went and had a Reiki session. And it was during that session that my body, it it was just almost an intelligence, and I heard a voice say, your body can heal itself. And it was really from that moment on that I started opening up to what my body was saying. It took years to recover and get to a state of balance. But during that process, the energy work became very, very important for me. And I chose to go and learn all the Reiki levels and all the things that you mentioned. And at this point, my work primarily is the cranial sacral therapy and biofield therapy. I am 
an empath, um, an extremely sensitive, especially now, to a lot of the surroundings. And what I have found with this work is, number, number one, it's helped me to balance and stay in balance myself so that I can help others. And I think that's probably my most important part of this work is helping others heal and balance really their body wisdom and allowing their bodies to heal themselves and then helping them find ways to manage and navigate um, all of these I, the EMFs really aff affect me in particular, but anything that really affects uh, folks and helps keep them in balance primarily. A lot of our listeners suffer from chronic fatigue syndrome and have a lot of the issues that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And they write to us and tell us, you know, is this from my empathy? Is this physical? Is it a combination? And they'll tell us that they've tried this and that and this and nothing works. Mm -hmm. What would you recommend if someone came to you and said, you know, I've tried everything and, and nothing has worked? What, what would you say to them? Would it be cranial sacral once a week, three times a week? And how, how would you deal with that? Um, there's a couple things I would recommend. Um, the first thing is, yes, definitely uh, the cranial sacral biofield therapy. What that work does is when I talk about balancing the system, when you have chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, any of these chronic pain syndromes, your nervous system, your sympathetics are in charge instead of your parasympathetics. So the sympathetics are your fight and flight, the fight or flight. Your parasympathetics are that part that calms down. So if you burn yourself on the stove, you burn, it hurts, and then eventually it stops hurting because the parasympathetics have come in and done their job. When you have these chronic pain conditions, you, your parasympathetics have lost their way. They kind of don't know what to do. And what this work does is it puts your body into that state of deep, deep relaxation. And it's that reminder to the parasympathetics, oh my gosh, I have a job to do. I get it. I forgot. And you're really just, and the more you do that, the more your parasympathetic can start taking charge instead of your fight or flight, your, your sympathetic system. So what I usually recommend is a combination of what I do, cranial sacral biofield therapy. You know, ideally when I first uh, received this type of work, I went two to three times a week for about three weeks and then I scattered it and maybe once a week and then went maybe once every two weeks, especially as I started to improve so rapidly. I also think herbal and homeopathy, I added those into my uh, repertoire and my toolbox, I like to call it. Very, very, very helpful for me as well. And I also did form a physical therapy that was very, very gentle physical therapy, more manual work. And that was also very helpful because I couldn't even walk five minutes on a treadmill without being exhausted. So the physical therapy was, was helpful as well. So I, I actually think it's a, I'd love to say cranial sacral and the biofield therapy is all you would need but you really do need a combination in order to, to heal from these conditions. See, I love that. I love that you're bringing in the body-mind connection and 
so many of the people that get in touch with us, and Samantha and I have talked to each other about this as well, is trying to find that balance of wellness mm -hmm. and, you know, the, the mind-body-spirit connection. And that seems exactly what you're talking about. How did you become a cranial sacral person? Did you go to specific training? Is there, how, how would someone figure out how, if this is a good path for them? Yes, I started with the Upledger Institute about 10 years ago and took my first course. And, you know, I was busy doing all the energy work and I wasn't real comfortable with cranial work. So I kind of didn't do much with it for a couple years. And then I discovered, I mean, right in our backyard in New Hampshire uh, is a physical therapist named Don Ash. Uh, cranial Sacral Therapy Alliance is their group. And I decided, I think, I think I want to explore this again. And I started taking coursework with Dawn. And I've basically done all the levels. I am planning to be certified with the CST Alliance here within the next actually few months. So I've been very fortunate because I've been able to drive an hour and a half and do this training. So this is the type of work, you know, you can find cranial sacral therapists. Uh, a lot of them are physical therapists, occupational therapists as well. I think the thing that's very, very important with cranial sacral therapy is to make sure that you find a practitioner that has a lot of experience and that's done all the coursework. So if somebody takes, a lot of massage therapists do cranial sacral therapy that they're taught in massage, massage school, it's usually just one level. I always cautious people to make sure that you've got somebody that's got a few court, a few levels under their belt before it's, it's really powerful work and you just want to go to somebody who has experience. It, it really, I went to someone early on and uh, it wasn't a very good experience for me. So uh, who didn't really have a lot of experience. I didn't realize the importance of that. So that would be my only recommendation is really make sure somebody's had probably at least three or four courses uh, under their belt. I've done six. And so, uh, and that that's all that I actually need to do to be fully certified with the Cranial Sacral Therapy Alliance. That's a really good point. I went to a massage therapist and she said, oh yeah, I do cranial sacral work and I combine it with my massages. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, that'd be great if you could combine it. And I go to her a lot and when she said she combined it, it really wasn't any different from the normal, wonderful massage she gave. Uh -huh. And so then I went to a cranial sacral practitioner who that's all she did. Mm -hmm. And the difference was definitely apparent. So I, I think that's a really good point to check out who you're going to ask them where their training was, how much training they've had. Yes. Yes. Now, can cranial sacral work be used on people who are dealing with emotional trauma? Absolutely. Um, part of the training is what's called somato-emotional release. So you are definitely working on uh, trauma levels, emotional levels. I'll give you a perfect example. When I was out in Arizona, I have my craniosacral therapist that I go see. About 10 hours after my session ended, I had a release of a 36-year-old memory a traumatic memory that I'd had, I'd been in a car accident, I actually released that trauma from 36 years ago. It was, it was, it was a pretty powerful experience and it wasn't really very pleasant, but I knew at the moment what was happening. And I always thought that I had sort of dealt with that 
car accident trauma and that I sort of moved on from it. But there was an emotional piece with that accident, the scenario, how the accident, you know, why I was in that position in the first place. And that's the part that released. So it wasn't so much that I was hit in the car. It was the, uh, the whole scenario of why I was in the car in the first place. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> it was big. I mean, it was really big. And yes, it definitely addresses emotional because we have to remember every single physical condition has an emotional component to it. I believe the American Medical Association actually admits now that 90% of physical illness and conditions have an emotional component to them. That's big. That is. That's big. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. There's always an emotional component, you know, to everything physical. There really is. So what else would people come? I'm wondering, could this be used as a preventative measure as well? Because it, from what yes. I've read and researched, it's about soft tissues that surround the central nervous system and slight, mm -hmm. very subtle manipulations that help realign things and keep the, the pulse of that fluid is the way it was described with what I read. Yes. So what would be some other things that someone besides trauma or emotional or releasing, what else might someone go to a cranial sacral person for? Well, what you have to remember is that every day our body endures stress and strains. Every single day, we all, it all happens to all of us. And our body has to work to compensate for that. So, and many times these changes cause body tissues to tighten and they distort the cranial system. And this is just everyday stuff. And so this is a, that's a perfect example, just everyday stresses. When the distortions, they can cause tension and it forms around the brain and the spinal cord and that results in restrictions. You know, I mean, these are daily things. So basically, this is why I love adding the biofield therapy, which is energy work. And the biofield term, National Institutes of Health call all subtle energies, Reiki, healing touch, um, quantum touch, all of these things. They term those biofield therapy. And I thought it was very important to start using that term, number one, because that's what they call it. And so that's the other part that I love about this work is that I add that component to it as well. And so that's all about balancing the energy system, the chakras, Haraline, your entire energy field. So that's all part of what I do. Very fascinating because I think as a empath and as a highly intuitive person, you would physically react to people's energies because you're right in in their head in their right around the crown chakra do oh, you yeah. find as an empath that there are any pitfalls or any things to be cautious of in doing this work for me i've always had it's always been very easy for me i'm not a physical empath so i do not take on other people's physical pain so that that's fortunate. I tend to do take on other things, but I have always had the ability to really separate my work and working on someone. And I set my intention clearly for that. So I don't, I'm never affected by that. I tend to be affected by more the global consciousness. And now that I know, <laughs> I'm able to sort of 
help myself with that as well. I mean, I receive work on a regular basis. Um, I exchange with people that I know do really great work so that I can keep myself healthy as well. But I, I, I personally do not have a problem separating who I'm working on and me taking that on. How do you deal with that global empathy though? Do you limit the, the news that you watch or read? Absolutely. You know, I, number one, it was, I never really thought I was an empath, silly me. Um, <laughs> and, uh, in 2016, I had a horrible flare up from the reflex sympathetic dystrophy. I'd been basically feeling really well and not having any issues. And I couldn't understand why it happened because many times if I physically do something physically I shouldn't be doing, such as, you know, swing a baseball bat or play tennis or something like that with my arms, it primarily affects my nerves in my arm. I know that I'm going to set myself up for a problem. I hadn't done any of anything like that. And then I ran into um, an article Dr. Judith Orloff wrote and I'm reading it and I'm going, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I'm an empath. (laughs) (laughs) I thought empaths, my Reiki teacher is wonderful and she takes on physical things from people and physical symptoms. And I thought that's what an empath was. I didn't realize there's all these different types of empaths. And so that was an amazing learning lesson for me. I realized that I took on what was going on globally and all of the worry and concern that was happening in our country. Um, That tends to affect me. And I ended up buying Dr. Orloff's book, uh, The Empath Survival Guide, which really helped educate me and understand that, wow, I need to be careful. I never really thought it affected me that deeply until 2016. But now I'm super sensitive to everything and I, I'm really careful. I'm really careful. <laughs> I think that's so important for all of us and all the people that are listening, just to remember that we have to take care of ourselves and be aware of the impact that that energy can have on our physical, mental, and spiritual health. Exactly. And I definitely, I, I don't watch the news. I ask that my husband, if he wants to watch the morning news, he watches it up in his office. Um, I had to, initially, I had to shut all that off. It was, um, I was really getting sucked in to it. And so the TV is my, the biggest thing that I just don't do. It's not like I'm not informed. I definitely stay informed of what's going on. But there's something about watching it on TV for me and then the constant repeat that's a problem for me. And so pretty much TV is big. I'm, I do minimize as much as I can social media. Obviously, I use it for my business too. Yeah, I would say TV is my biggest. My you, big set, you set good boundaries with it. Yeah. Before we have to wrap up, could you tell our listeners about your book in this moment and the process of writing it and how people can find it? Absolutely. So this book came um, during the months that I was bedridden. There were emotions that I had stuffed over the years, swept under the carpet, I like to say. Thought I would deal with them in, in time, but just never got around to it. And while I was bedridden, I had no place to hide and I couldn't run and I couldn't ignore anything. And different emotions started coming up 
that I, w- I was actually quite surprised. Uh, betrayal was the biggest emotion for me, that, or the first emotion that, that presented itself. And what I did is I just started acknowledging what I was feeling, probably for the first time in many, many years. Working in radiation therapy and helping people through their cancer journey, you really do have to sort of shut down your heart to be able to survive. It was um, extremely sad and I didn't want to go to that place. So as I started acknowledging my emotions, I started to heal. And then the book basically was pretty much channeled. I was given the information. I was very clearly told that I needed to create a book that would be a something simple, something small that people could carry so that they could acknowledge what was going on, their feelings at that moment, and not have to sit down and read paragraphs and paragraphs or sit with the uncomfortableness for half an hour, 45 minutes, or whatever other people say to do. You don't have to. The important thing about the book is you, when you're feeling, say if you're angry, you simply acknowledge it, go to, it's all in alphabetical order because I'm, I'm like that, and uh, you go to anger, and literally you read one sentence, which is the acknowledgement of what you're feeling and then the shift, and it will release. We do presentations with the book where we will demonstrate through muscle testing what it's like in your energy field and how your energy field is weakened when you're holding on to that emotion. And then they'll read the page in the book and their entire energy field will strengthen again. It's pretty cool. Wow. That really is. I mean, they told, it was totally guided. I mean, you know, never in my life would I have thought, oh, I'm going to create this book and I'm going to do this and that. I mean, really all I knew for 30 some years was medicine. I, I didn't get to be a mom. That was it. <laughs> so I didn't have hobbies or anything really that I ever did. It was all quite a journey and quite a magical journey. And I just, they basically right when I'd get stuck, not knowing we self-published, didn't know how to do that. And the whole process was guided. What I love is it's also can be used as a little oracle is if you oh, yes. take it, uh, that's how I, when you initially sent us the book, which mm-hmm. thank you for sharing this with us is yeah. I just like took a deep breath and then I opened it and it was exactly what I needed to read at the time. And exactly. it's very brief. It's a sentence, but it, you're, you're spot on. It helps you recenter, acknowledge the emotion and then say, Oh my gosh, I really do need to, to release this. Yes. Yes. And that's what we tell people. If, if they're not sure what they're feeling, Um, which sometimes we're not. We just might not know or we might not be able to get to that place of saying, I'm angry or whatever. So you just go to the book and literally open it and it will land where it's supposed to land. Or if you're not sure how you're feeling, you can also ask yourself, how do I want to feel? Do I want to feel joy? And we have joy in the book. So you'll go to joy. So you'll go to how you want to feel if you can't quite identify how you're feeling at that moment. Okay, I'm going to do that now. I'm going to open up the book to a random page. Oh, happiness. Oh, my. I acknowledge (laughs) this feeling. I acknowledge this feeling of pure happiness, and I am reminded in this moment that happiness is a choice I can always make. That is beautiful. Yeah. And how can people find it? Well, our website, uh, www.lonelotus, L-O-N-E-L-O-T-U-S.com. We're also, we're main made, 
So everything is done in Maine, which we're super proud of. And we're on our website to all the locations you can find our book. We're uh, Leaping Lizards in Portland and Freeport. We're in Kripalu. That's probably our number one wholesale Canyon Ranch. Um, we're all over the country. I mean, obviously. And so if anyone out there, you know, is interested, we do offer wholesale accounts as well. And we certainly want to expand it. Our website will definitely steer them to where they can find the book. Okay, perfect. So Lone Lotus, we will put that in the show notes and I'll post it on our Facebook page as well. Excellent. Thank you so much. And we also do a lot of donations with the book too. Things like Newtown happened, Parkland, the, the shootings. We we uh, donate. We donated a box of books to each of those tragedies just to try to help the community as they're dealing with so many different emotions that come up. Hospice houses we donated to. So we do, we do try to give back as well. That's wonderful. Wow. Good reminder too, to be connected to the world of spirit. You have to keep that flow going on both sides and return in gratitude. Yes, yes, yes. Well, thank you so much, Sandra, for joining us. It's really been informative and enlightening, and I hope it's given people reminders that we are worth investing in as well. I think empaths often forget that. We're so good at investing in others and spending time on others, but sometimes we need that reminder that we are worthy of investing in as well with Mm -hmm. time and energy work and connecting with like-minded people. We have a job to do, and we've got to take care of ourselves. We really do. We have a big job out there as light workers and uh, being of service. And so self-care is absolutely huge. I, I definitely, I walk that walk. I certainly didn't for many years and I, and I got sick. So there's a reason why we, we sort of deal with and get these illnesses. We've got to take care of ourselves because we have a lot of people we need to help, a lot of good things we need to do. Thank you so very much for for coming on the show with us today, Sandra. It's been a pleasure, and I'm sure many of the people listening have have some new insight on craniosacral and, and energy work and how important it is. Wonderful. Thank you both. Thank you. Take care. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We'd like to welcome Catherine Davis, and Catherine is also a craniosacral person. Catherine believes that awakening is a process of remembering. Through heart-centered therapeutic body work, she provides opportunities to reconnect and awaken the body's natural ability to restore balance and well-being. Having trained and practiced as a massage therapist since 1999, her work is an intuitive combination of CST and energy healing. Each session is tailored to the client, integrating the techniques from the Upledger Institute, where she continues to study and learn other healing modalities to which she continues to be a lifelong student. Welcome, Catherine. Thank you so much. Well, we're excited to have you on and talk about how you are able to balance your cranial sacral work with all that you do. Can you tell people a little bit about how you were personally drawn to this work? Sure. Um, Thank you for that. Um, I was born um, as an identical twin, and I was born with my hips out of place. Um, It's called congenital hip dysplasia. And they didn't discover it until I was three months old. And at that time, I had surgery. And then I was put in a plaster cast from my waist to my knees. And I wore that for about eight months. 
so during that time, the brain is forming um, between, you know, the first year of life when you start creeping and crawling, the brain develops very much doing um, cross developing through creeping and crawling. And I didn't have those connections because I wasn't able to do those things. So I was just flat on my back for, you know, eight months. And so when I did eventually get out of the cast, I was, you know, a late developer and walking and crawling and all of those things. And so I had some, some learning difficulties um, as a child growing up and always suffered with back pain, lower back pain. And especially once I hit puberty, I suffered greatly with, um, you know, PMS and lower back pain. And it wasn't until I moved to New York City, I grew up in New Jersey, and I moved to New York City, and my twin sister at the time was living uh, upstate in New Paltz. And there was a practitioner there who did cranial sacral therapy. And I had no idea what that word even meant. And I was like, I'll try it. I had a little extra walking money, and I was like, I'll try to get some relief. And so I went to see her, and it's a very gentle, gentle modality. It uses about five grams of pressure, about the weight of a nickel. So it really, to a lay person, it feels like nothing is happening. So in my head, as a client and a newbie to cranial sacral therapy, I was laying on the table and having this internal argument with myself, like, what is happening? Like, she's not doing anything. I don't feel any difference. Like, this is a $75 nap what a waste of time, you know, and I was just like really frustrated. And then when I finally got up and she was finished and I got off the table for the first time in my life, my hips felt normal. My back felt normal. I felt like my hips were where they were supposed to be. And I felt, it's going to sound weird, but I felt organized in that area and I felt aligned and I mentally had to apologize to her say like, oh my gosh, you do know what you're doing. I'm sorry. I was mentally <laughs> screaming at you. Um, but it was so it was just, it was the first time in my life that I had any relief and I was hooked. So that's how it all started for me. And then uh, I went to massage school and I uh, had a wonderful practice for many years, but I didn't feel like massage was as effective in terms of um, helping people get some serious pain relief, you know, with migraines and headaches and things like that. And my father passed away in 2011 and I inherited just a wee bit of money. So he had sent me to massage school the first time back in 99. And so when he passed, I used the money to go to Upledger, to the Upledger Institute. And uh, I've been practicing ever since. Wow. I love that story. I truly. Yeah. Wow. How do you balance doing, because this isn't, even though it's gentle and, you know, and it fascinates me because it, the biophysical and all of that stuff, but how do you balance that with your everyday life? Because I know you work full time, actually you go in a hundred different directions. So how do you switch gears to keep this work? Because there's a, it is over the top as this is going to sound, there's a sacredness to this work in, in a different way than other modalities, if that makes any sense. It does. And for me, I carve out time during the day for my clients and on weekends. I work nights here and there. So most, most of my days are at my studio. So I set aside time there. So I'm not interrupted. I don't have anything else scheduled. So um, it's a lot to juggle. And I share office space with another practitioner. So she's a massage therapist. So we just try to coordinate. And I have steady clients that I see every week at a certain time. And it just works. I tend to get a lot busier in the summertime because Maine, as you know, is vacation land and we get a lot of tourists. So 
I have a lot of regulars that come back and just keep standing appointments for them. So usually it doesn't, I don't have too much trouble balancing it, except when I work nights, it's kind of hard to get up in the morning and (laughs) get going, but Mm -hmm. usually it's not a problem. What do you say to people who feel, well, in my opinion, a lot of people who need cranial sacral therapy are the ones who aren't willing to invest in themselves in order to get the therapy. Do you find that like the people who need it most are the ones who aren't going to put themselves first to do it? And what would your advice be to those people? That's absolutely true. And I usually when people come to me, they've, they've tried everything else. I'm like the last resort. And most people don't really know what cranial sacral is. And, and since Maine is so rural, like we're 20 years behind, you know, people are just starting to understand what this modality is. So I tend to talk to people a lot about like the benefits, like what cranial sacral can help, you know, everything from migraines to concussions to um, ADD, ADHD, back problems, PTSD, neck and back problems, fibromyalgia, uh, TMJ. I mean, there isn't anything that it can't help with, anxiety, um, depression. So I try to entice people by offering a new patient package. It sounds uh, like a coupon-ish, but I really try to get people to think that they're getting a deal because normally my sessions are priced at $65 a session. And then I entice them by saying, hey, let's have a new patient package. If you're a new patient, we'll do three treatments for the price of two. And I like to see people once a week for three weeks in a row so they can see the benefits of cranial sacral and see how much their body moves and gains momentum during those three weeks. And then I usually just win them over and then they just become patients that I see every now and then. Like, cause I don't want to be like a chiropractor who sees somebody once a white, once a week, two times a week, three times a week for weeks on end. It's like, I want to see you. I want to help you get on the healing path and then just call me for a tune up. Cause I really don't believe that. And I'm not disputing, you know, chiropractic care, but to me, that doesn't feel like wellness. I don't want someone to always be on my table, if that makes sense. Yeah, that feels more like maintenance and dependence, whereas you're yeah. hoping to innovate people to take their care in their own hands with a tune-up now and then. Yeah, and just you know, have them get on the healing path and then just come in for tune-ups here and there. You know, I have a woman who's a yoga therapist and she comes in probably like four times a year just for a tune-up, like when the seasons change or if she feels overwhelmed and she's like, I just need to carve out some time for me. And for her, it's just self-care. I love the fact that it's another alternative for anxiety as well, because that seems to be running rampant for so many people right now. And just the, the gentle touch, so many people are looking for alternatives to yeah, I mean, you can do yoga, you can eat better, you can drink water, you can run, you can do all those things, but people are still looking for an alternative that I, I'm thrilled. I also know someone personally who was suffering severely from Lyme that came and saw you and you really helped alleviate some of the symptoms. And I don't even know that you knew this person was in the throes of Lyme. So it's amazing how uh, the subtle energy shifts that this work does. Oh, it's incredible because it really it works with the nervous system and your nervous system is your computer. It's how your body functions. And one of the first things that you do, there's a 10 step protocol that cranial sacral therapists use. 
And during that 10-step protocol, the first thing that you do is you reset the nervous system. It's basically like turning your computer off and restarting it and rebooting it. And it's my way of saying, okay, you're stressed out. You've got something going on. I'm going to reboot you, and I'm going to go in and find whatever restrictions I find, anything that I can free up and calm down. And then at the end, the last thing that you do is you reset the nervous system again. And it's kind of like, okay, I've done what I can do. I'm resetting you again, and now it's your body's turn to take over and to do the rest of the healing work on its own. Because your body always innately tries to heal itself, and it's always trying to correct imbalances. So I think it's a beautiful, beautiful way just to help the whole body. So I have recently read this article on the vagus nerve, and it was described as this nerve that stems from the brain to the abdomen and is like this super highway of communication between our stomach and our brain. And the article was saying that research has shown when this vagus nerve gets out of whack, it triggers irritable bowel syndrome, rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, it can be triggered by PTSD, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia. Can working with a cranial sacral therapist help with the vagus nerve? And can you tell people a little bit more about that? Yes, absolutely. Vagus nerve is one of the longest. It's the 10th cranial nerve in the body. And it works with the parasympathetic nervous system. And that controls the heart, the lungs, and the digestive tract. And the parasympathetic nervous system is a system that you don't have to think about. Like you don't have to tell your heart to beat or your lungs to breathe. It automatically does those things. So that nerve interfaces with that, all those different systems. And when things get out of whack, you can have like breathing problems, you can have um, digestion problems, um, and things just get really, really wacky. And so because one of the biggest parts of cranial sacral is that, that, like the two words suggest, it's cranial, which is your cranium, and sacral, which is your sacrum. And so most of the healing work in this modality is working on freeing restrictions in the cranium. It sounds impossible, but during cranial sacral therapy, during a normal session, you manipulate all the bones in the face, the ears, the mandible, all the cranial sutures. I have my fingers in your ears at one point. Um, it's just in the back of your cranium on your occipital bones. And there's so much going on. And just think about like how many times like you hit your head or you, you bump into something, everything gets out of whack. So during a cranial sacral session, specifically when you're working with those different nerves, like the vagus nerve, and considering that it is like, you know, the 10th cranial nerve in the body, on the back of the neck, it's super helpful to have a session to free up those restrictions because it interferes with so many other things in your body. Wow. It's so neat the way it's all connected. Oh, it's fascinating. It's so fascinating. And I, you know, if I wasn't born with my hips out of place and and being, you know, a lifelong sufferer of back pain, I probably never would have gotten gotten into this work. You know, I always say, like, you wouldn't go to a midwife who's never given birth. It's like you want to go to see somebody who experiences the same things that you've gone through in your life. So for someone who's always suffered from it, it's the only thing. And I've tried everything. I've tried acupuncture. I've tried rolfing. I've tried massage therapy. I've tried Reiki. I mean, I've tried everything as an adult until I found cranial sacral. And it sounds so weird, but it's the most gentle modality, but it's so deeply effective and it does, it has so many benefits. In your bio, you talk about use intuitively knowing what your clients need. And I mean, I've met you face to face and you're, you're off the chain intuitive. So I'm, I'm wondering, how do you 
do you feel it? Do you sense it? Are you just guided intuitively on what to do next? How does that work when you're in a session? That's a great question. And one, one of the things that I first do is that when I, because I start at the ankles, and so I, I just put my hands on the client and I say this prayer. Um, I call in angels and I'll, I'll just say it really quickly. So I'll say, like, Denise, you're my client. I'll say, I call on Denise spirits, guides and angels and my spirit guides and angels. Please give me guidance and wisdom. I call on Archangel Michael, Raphael. I call on Kuan Yin, Jesus, and any other ascended masters who would like to heal and assist in this session. I ask for Archangel Michael to shield us with his sword and to cut any cords between us in all directions of time that do not serve us. And I ask for Archangel Raphael to place the power of healing in my hands to give me guidance and wisdom to best know how to help Denise. And then I go from there. And then for me, it's, it's just a quiet listening. And for some reason, I say the prayer twice. I don't know why, but I do it twice. And then I just listen with my hands. One of the things that I learned in massage school, we had one evening class where we had to give a massage with a blindfold on. And for some reason, I felt that I could see better with my eyes closed. And I wasn't like, oh, she's got cellulite or look at that blackhead or like, oh, there's a rogue hair or, you know, something like that where you would get distracted. So for me, ever since then, since 1999, I just keep my eyes closed and I just it sounds weird, but I just listen with my hands and I just gather whatever information I get and I just go from there. I love that because it's, you, you, it's service work and everything that you've shared with us, it is so obvious that you're, this comes through you, not from you. Yes, you know the techniques. Yes, you've done the training, but you get out of the way and let that healing energy come through, which I think is so, so paramount in this type of work or in any kind of healing work. I had this little boy that I worked on recently, um, he had um, hit his head and had really bad headaches. And so I'd worked on him and he, I was working on his head and his mom's like, mom, her hands are so hot. <laughs> it was really cute. I love that. It's like validation. Now, if people are feeling fine physically, but they're dealing with some emotional stress and trauma, can cranial sacral work help with that? Oh, absolutely. I had this one uh, client who is now a dear friend of mine who suffered greatly from PTSD and she wasn't able, I didn't know it at the time and she wasn't able to share with me what was going on. But during the session, she had a release. She just started crying and and sobbing. And I, I just sat there with her and I said, you know, if you would like to share, I'm here. But if not, you're safe. If you want me to continue, I will. If you want me to stop and you need to take a break, that's fine. And she said, no, let's continue. And then she shared with me afterwards. And she was like, this is what's been going on. And I wasn't able to talk about it, but now I am. So it was a nice, a nice moment for me to just be able to hold that space for her and let her just sit there with it and, and feel okay. And, and release it physically as well as emotionally. That's awesome. I love stories like that. Yeah, because your body's a computer. Your body holds all of your memories. Everything is stored in your body. So, you know, what I may touch or what may come up could be something that happened like 10 years ago. And you're like, oh, wow, that's what that was. Okay. And so it's just nice to just hold space for them and just, you know, let them know that they're safe and you know, I worked with a, a woman who um, had been repeatedly raped and she wasn't, this is the first time that she was ever to have safe touch. 
And it was huge for her because she wasn't, didn't want to have a massage and didn't want to get undressed. But, you know, during cranial sacral, you stay fully clothed. And we had probably about half a dozen sessions and just a lot of stuff was moving through her. And I felt so proud of her to be able to find healthy touch without feeling like she was violated. That's powerful. Well, before we wrap up, I just have to ask a psychic question. As an identical twin, do you have those twin psychic connections? We do. We do. I remember uh, one of the most vivid ones was my sister. She was this, like freshman year in high school. She had mono. And um, my family, like I said, I grew up in New Jersey, but my grandfather had built a summer house at, in the Cape on Cape Cod. And so she went to the Cape with my mom for a month just because she was so ill and she wasn't able to start school. And she had gotten into a car accident. And I knew instantly And this was like before cell phones and all of those things. And I remember I called my mom at the Cape and I was like, what happened to Meredith? She was like, oh my gosh, she was just in a car accident. I was like, I know, I know. I was like, something happened. I don't know what, but something's wrong with her. Yeah. She was in a car accident, but she was fine. Didn't get hurt. Did you, did you feel it or did you see it or was it just a knowing? It was a knowing and it was kind of a bit of a shock. It was like, I was startled. I didn't feel any pain, but I was just like, Meredith. I was like, something's wrong with Meredith. What's happened to her? And I just knew something, something wrong was, there was something wrong. So cool. It's incredible. I love it. So how can people contact you, Catherine? Well, I have, um, I'm on the Upledger uh, website where you can find a practitioner, find a therapist. My name is there. And I just, I don't have a website. Um, I have email and I have a phone number. Okay. Well, if you're comfortable sharing your email, uh, I will put that in the show notes for people, or you're welcome to share it now if you'd like. That's up to you. Sure. No, I'll email it to you because it's a word that doesn't make any sense, and people will be like, what? (laughs) (laughs) But you are still taking new clients, so you could squeeze in some people into your busy schedule? Absolutely. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Thank you so much. To hear the way you talk about this, it really raised my vibration because I can tell that this is a true passion for you, not only for your own physical healing and health, but for the people that you're, that you're, your client base and very, very inspirational. Thank you. Oh, thank you. And I'll have to get you on the table so you'll can experience it firsthand. <laughs> yes, very much so. And actually, I, that's exactly what I was thinking about as we were chatting. Time to practice well, what we preach. <laughs> One more quick question. How do you protect yourself when you're working with such trauma and other people? Like when you're releasing all this stuff with people, does it impact you or do you feel protected when you do your prayer and meditation at the beginning and just can walk away from it? It's two things. Um, Crystals. I carry crystals with me. I usually uh, have black obsidian with me um, and and black tourmaline, which as you know, are very protective um, and grounding stones. And then my prayers. Like I, when I call on um, Archangel Michael to cut the cords between us and anything in all directions of time, I feel like that's really helpful that if there's any gunk that anybody has, that it doesn't bother me. And um, I also, under my table, I have a long um, wand of selenite that I keep under my table. Um, So that's really good for people like clearing all of their chakras. So I feel like that's helpful. So crystals and prayer, I feel like that's, that's a good good place for me to be in. I went to, um, people know I, I like to check out home goods and perform crystal rescues. 
because I feel bad for all those crystals at Home Goods that are probably going to end up sitting on like someone's bookshelf or coffee table and they won't appreciate necessarily what it is. So sometimes I go in there and just see. So I went in and they just had like the normal, you know, geodes and agate slices, which I already have. So I went to the back of the store where they had the big table of what they were going to be putting out. And there was a huge log of selenite next to a huge log of black tourmaline. And so I gathered them up, put them in my cart. I went to the front and I said, these aren't tagged, but I really want them. So she tagged them and I brought them home and I put them in front of my hearth in my family room. And then I get my newsletter from one of the many crystal sites I follow. And the article that week was on how healers should have a log of selenite and a log of black tourmaline together because they work in tandem to keep you protected and open to your spirituality and messages coming to you. So I love that you have those under your table as well. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I love that you say that you're a crystal rescuer. I love that. I might steal that line. (laughs) Well, it's always sad because they often have crystals in glass frames. Like who's going to, who wants to hang a crystal on a wall? This thing belongs in the earth or, or in your hand working with you, not in a glass frame and, or they'll have them stuck on these poles. You know, they're just going to get dust on someone's bookshelf and it just makes me sad. So I try to rescue them. (laughs) by the way if you love labradorite there is a beautiful beautiful piece in the home goods down by you Catherine. because i was in there last week and i stood there and i hemmed and hawed need this do i not want this it's very nice so i don't know if you love labradorite big beautiful piece down there labradorite is the number one crystal for empaths Because what Labradorite does is it will protect you from taking on other people's energy like a sponge. But again, like the combo of selenite and black tourmaline, it still allows you to be open to positive messages, energy, and emotions. Thank you. Thank you, Catherine. Appreciate you so much. And thank you for shining your light with us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Oh, we've really enjoyed it. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Don't forget, as always, to show up. Do great work and share your light. Take care.